Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Sister Carolyn and I will agree on, uh, we did not have a democracy in our home. Uh, Mine and Carolyn's vote just simply did not count, period. And uh, the reason I share that with you is because a few days ago, I had some deja vu of my childhood when my dad called me and instructed me that I would be sharing this morning. Uh, Instructed. I was instructed, not asked uh, to share. But uh, in all seriousness, I'm 45 years old. Uh, Today I have a family of my own, and I will forever be indebted to my mom and my dad. Um, Not only was the, the belt not spared, in the home, but also the teachings of the Bible were not spared uh, in in our home. And my sister and I got to grow up and with parents that we got to observe living out the Christian faith and living out the teachings of the Bible. And that is, as a parent, that is the greatest gift that you can ever give your children. So... Okay, so, so back, to my, back to my story. Uh, a few years ago, I was on business in Atlanta. I was traveling back on the train from Atlanta into the airport. And for those of you who uh, travel in Atlanta, you're aware that there's a train that runs. Uh, it kind of ends at the airport, and it runs all the way into the inner city so that you can travel back and forth. While I was on my way home on the train, I just boarded it. And uh, it was real early in the morning. I got on the train, I rested my head back, closed my eyes, and I began praying about angels. And I even kind of said to the Lord, I said, Lord, give me a glimpse into the, into the supernatural. And what you need to understand, it was real early in the morning, and I had about a 25-minute train ride in front of me. So what I was doing is my, when my eyes were closed, I was just praying and kind of meditating at the same time, kind of like you do when you lay in bed at night, and you're kind of praying to the Lord, but you're kind of thinking about the things of God as you doze off to, to sleep. And that's what, I was, that's what I was doing. And as my thoughts kind of centered around that, I began to... Um, ask the Lord, Lord, give me a sign, give me a, give me a, a kind of a glimpse. And my mind, my mind even kind of started running with that, thinking, okay, what could someone do that would be an indicator to me that they were an angel or they were from the kind of spirit, spirit world? And I, 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 that, the, that thought process carried on for about 25 minutes. And all of a sudden, the train kind of jarred a little bit and started to slow, and the announcement came on that uh, we were nearing the airport, and immediately I kind of woke up, and, and I kind of was alert, and my senses came back to me, and I was thinking a little more clearly at that point, and I said, Lord, instantly when I was thinking clear, I said, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me 
Forgive me, Lord. I said, That's, I should not be praying that way. I do not need to see a sign from you or get a glimpse into the supernatural to know that you exist for me to love you and for me to serve you. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then instantly my mind shifted. I was no longer praying. I was instantly thinking about the task of the day starting with catching my flight and everything else I had to do that day. So my mind had totally left that. So train comes to a stop. I jump off the train weave through the sea of people into the Atlanta airport. And uh, I don't think it's there anymore, but at this time, when you offloaded from the train, there was a little nook in the airport that had a, just a couple of kiosks in this nook for day travelers, for folks that travel frequently. You could go to the kiosk and quickly get your boarding pass and then move on to your gate without having to go through the normal process and the normal lines of getting your your ticket. So I, I made my way to the kiosk. I run up, I put my card in, pull it out, error message. I pulled my card out, cleared out the machine, wiped the card off, put it back in, error message. I probably did that four or five additional times, all with the same result. Now I was agitated, angry. I'm running late for my flight. I'm mad that the, the kiosk is not working. And this is with this in this little nook, you typically do not have the service that you have from other when you check in through the, the normal uh, channels in the where you typically would get your boarding passes. But after I tried it the fourth or fifth time, I'm agitated, I'm frustrated, a lady approaches me. And she was a beautiful African-American lady. She was a little taller than me. But I, I didn't give her much mind because I was already kind of agitated, frustrated, in a hurry. My eyes were on the, the computer screen. She approaches me. She had a blue dress on, so I thought she, I just kind of assumed she was a, a Delta employee. She takes the card from my hand. She says, let me try. And she Took my card, she puts it in the machine, pulls it out. Instantaneously, my information pulls up. And I looked and I said, wow, it worked. And I couldn't believe it. And then as I was reaching, waiting for my ticket to print out, she's standing right here. She says, and I'll never forget this, she says, good things happen in the presence of an angel. And... When I finally, when it, when I finally heard, comprehended what she had said, it, it literally physically took my, took my breath away. And I turned and I faced her, and I said, excuse me. And she looked me right in the eyes, and she said it with this, exactly the same way. She said, good things happen in the presence of an angel. Now, at this time, for those of you who know me, I'm usually never at a loss of words, but I'm totally, honestly, I'm totally speechless at this point. I'm confused, and I had a kind of a, a fear. I was scared, I honestly scared a little bit, and my mind was still trying to, to process what was happening. I turned and walked away. I took about six or eight steps, and I looked over my shoulder, and she was still looking at me, and she said, remember what I said, and then she turns, and she walks away. And um, that, that's, the, that's the only word she said. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And um, just a, a neat story I wanted to share with you this morning.
Wow. Let's read it together. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's a promise given to us by the Savior. I remember the morning my son called me and said, Dad, you won't believe what just happened to me. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I get that comment all the time. People will call me and say, Pastor, you're not going to believe what just happened. And so I've had it happen so many times through the years, I now say, before you tell me, yes, I will believe what you're about to tell me. Because I believe God does some amazing things. And one of the things that I believe so strongly is that he will manifest himself to us. Now, the scripture we just read together is a promise from the Savior himself. He is promising to us. He is giving, uh, giving that promise to us that those who love him, those who have and embrace his commandments, and those who seek to keep his commandments, he promises, I will manifest myself to them. That's a great and wonderful promise. Uh, we've been in a series now. I think this is the fourth message on visitations. And I have to tell you, I've been overwhelmed. Uh, my phone is ringing. Everywhere I go, people are saying, Pastor, uh, I want to tell you about my visitation. I want to tell you about my dream. I want to tell you about my encounter. I want to tell you about what happened to me. And I just want to say, I want to encourage you, nothing could be more biblical than you telling the world what has happened to you. It is important that we do this. It is biblical that we do this. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. Psalm 66, 16 says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. You see, that's what we are supposed to be doing, telling people what God has done for us. And then there's a passage in the Old Testament about a heathen king who has an encounter with God. He first experiences somewhat of the judgment of God, and, and then he has an encounter with God, and his story is pretty amazing. Uh, this is from Daniel 4, beginning in verse 1, and this is the story of Nebuchadnezzar. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. So Nebuchadnezzar is writing a letter, and he's anticipating that this letter is going to reach the whole earth. Everybody's going to read this. Verse 2 says, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. Now, before I read the rest of it, can you say amen right there? How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion is from generation to generation. And then here's another scripture. Psalm 71, 18 says, So even to old age and gray hairs... A lot of gray hair in this congregation today. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me. Why? 
until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Now, if I understand this correctly, we should be telling the story. We should be telling the world what God has done for us. We should be telling our children and our grandchildren and our relatives and our family members and our church family. We should keep on telling what God has done to us and for us to the point that those who have not yet been born will one day hear the story you're telling. That's how we should uh, tell it and how often we should tell it. And then I guess this would be my favorite one of all. Psalm one eighteen seventeen says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Now, if you read this in context, in the uh, Psalm 118, the psalmist actually says, they're trying to kill me. I mean, it actually says that. He says, the enemy's trying to kill me. They're trying to take my life. They're trying to destroy me. And the psalmist is making a statement of faith right here. And he says, even though they're trying to kill me, I will not die. But I will live, and I will tell what the Lord has done. Now, friends, I want to tell you, if you don't know this already, you should know this. The enemy is trying to kill you. He's trying to kill your marriage. He's trying to kill your business. He's trying to destroy your finances. He's trying to destroy your children. He's trying to destroy God's plan for your life. He's in the killing business. And sometimes we need to just draw a line and say, no, I will not die, but I will live. And the reason I'm going to live is because I'm going to keep telling people what the Lord has done for me. Now listen, not everyone uh, can be a preacher. Not everyone should be a preacher. Wouldn't this be a, a terrible world if we were all preachers? That, that, would, that would be bad business, wouldn't it? But anyway, not everyone can be or should be a preacher. Not everyone can be or should be a, a Bible teacher. Not everyone should be a worship leader like what we get to experience, these worship leaders on stage. But listen, every child of God should be a teller. We should be narrating our own story. We should be telling the world what God has done for us. And we should be repeating the stories that we've heard from other people. And I just read that to you. Now, this uh, past Friday, Brother Charles Watley and I sat down with a man and he told us an amazing story. Now, the thing about this story is I've heard it before several times. I've personally shared this story many times. And, and, and one of the reasons is because I'm, I'm in the story, a little bit of the story. But we sat down and it was refreshing to hear this story again after so many years. And I just have to tell you, it was a divine appointment the way Charles and I ran into this man. And we sat down at the table with, with him and he started telling the story let me take you all the way back. In 1971, my wife and I were newlyweds. We were involved in the church. And somebody put together kind of uh, 
a, a lay witness program in our church. And about 40 or 50 of us met at the church uh, one evening, and we divided up into teams of threes. And we went out in the community. We went out witnessing and sharing our faith. And so, and I remember, and my wife will too, we went to one home, knocked on the door, and there was a man and woman there, and we shared with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there they prayed to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And we were so excited about that. And to this day, that man and woman, they're serving the Lord in this county. And we were there with them when they were born again. Well, what happened was, is that evening, when the evening was over, we all met back at the church. All these teams, all these evangelistic teams that went out, we met back. And one by one, the team started reporting uh, the people they had visited with and how God had moved and the souls that were saved. And one team said, we've got a great report to give. We visited with a man just outside of town by the name of Lloyd Crum. And he prayed to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And I rejoiced because I would known and loved Mr. Lloyd Crum since I was uh, a little boy. And then I heard that and I rejoiced and had opportunity to fellowship with Mr. Lloyd after that. So some years later, Mr. Lloyd went to work for his son, Tom Crum. By the way, it was his son that was telling us the story. We sat down and talked with him and but he said, my dad came to work for me, and he was running a fish house in Carabell. And he said his dad would always get to work before him, always. Put the coffee pot on. The coffee would all already be made by the time he got to work. And he would get there and drink a cup of coffee. And, and so when he arrived at work on this particular day, his dad, Mr. Lloyd, said to him, I have a story to tell you. And he said, what? He said, the strangest thing happened to me uh, this morning. He said, I got here, and as soon as I put the coffee on, he said, a man walked through the door. Now, I want to tell you about Mr. Lloyd. Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Lloyd was a man's man. He, he was a fisherman. He was tough. So, And I needed to preface my remarks by telling you that because he told his son, he said, a man walked through the door and he said, that was the prettiest man I've ever seen in my life. He said, he was pretty. <laughs> and he said, well, what, what happened? He said, well, the man told me that he had been sent to give me a message and I assume it was for us, the business. So he said, well, my son will be here shortly and so when he gets here, you can give us the message. And so he said, come drink a cup of coffee with me. And so they got a cup of coffee and they sat down and they fellowshiped. And he just talked about how delightful it was. And then as soon as they finished drinking the coffee, uh, the man said, Mr. Lloyd, I have to go. I'm very busy. I have a lot of work to do and a lot of places to go. And he said, so I need to tell you. Uh, what I've been sent to tell you. And he said, no, 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 no. You have to wait for my son. You have to wait until my son gets here. And the man said to him, I'll drink one more cup of coffee with you. And he said, but then after that, I have to go. So he poured him another cup of coffee. They drank another cup of coffee together. And then he said, the man stood up and said, Mr. Lloyd, I'm sorry, I can't wait any longer. I'm very busy. So I'll tell you uh, 
what I've been sent to tell you. He said, the Lord sent me to tell you that you've been a good man, you've provided for your family, and you've been faithful. And because of that, God sent me to tell you that he's going to add 15 years to your life. Mr. Lloyd said, as soon as he said that, without another word being said, he turned and he went straight to the door. Tom said his dad told him that he followed him step for step. He opened the door. The man stepped outside the door. Mr. Lloyd stepped outside the door and said he vanished in thin air. And he was gone. Mr. Lloyd was 76 years old when that happened. Fifteen years later, I preached the funeral service for Mr. Lloyd Crum at 91 years old. He lived 15 more years. I don't understand things like that, do you? That, that, that is amazing, isn't it? How, God's ways are past finding out, aren't they? Oh, my goodness. Now, I, I want to put this in perspective so that you can get a handle on this idea of visitations being biblical. We are in the Christmas season right now. Don't you love Christmas? Amen. Come on, hold your hand up if you love Christmas. Some of you raised your hand just because you'd have been embarrassed not to raise your hand. Right? I mean, Christmas is burdensome. It's difficult. It's hard. If we're not careful, we'll start thinking about it that way. But Christmas is a celebration, isn't it? It's about the birth of Christ. And I know the world's commercialized it, but I want to tell you something. I'm glad the world's commercialized it. We have this huge celebration. If If it were left up to us, it probably wouldn't be nearly as exciting. This is Christmas. It's Christmas. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was born in Bethlehem. And He came to live among us. And we're celebrating that, aren't we? Listen, uh, I don't like to wait to the last minute to do things. So yesterday I went to Tallahassee to do my Christmas shopping. (laughs) Come on, guys. Come on, guys. How many are you with me? Yeah. I mean, three days early? That's good for me, right? And I I went right by myself, and I had this weird experience, and that is that I decided no matter how crazy it is at the mall or wherever I go, I'm going to smile. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to say Merry Christmas. I'm going to go in like I'm Santa Claus. And I'm just going to love on everybody, and I'm going to talk to everybody, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think I had a visitation. I didn't see anything. I didn't necessarily feel anything. But I went in the mall, and I was smiling, and everybody walked by and said, Merry Christmas. God bless you. Hope you're having a good day. Isn't this fun? Isn't this exciting? (laughs) Honestly, I did it. It was crazy. I, I just I just went in and I was just smiling and shaking hands with people and saying Merry Christmas and uh it was it was it was fun. 
And then one by one, I started having encounters with people. And, and, and some amazing... One thing, I, I walked up this lady, I said, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless you. I said, you know, I just, I'd say things like, the Lord loves you. And I said, tell me your name. And she told me her name. And then she said, who are you? (laughs) And this is what I said. I said, my name is Henry Jones, and I am the pastor of River of Life Church in Crawfordville. She goes, now this is in Tallahassee. And she goes, I live in Crawfordville. I said, you do? She said, yes. I said, have you ever heard of River of Life Church? She said, my 11-year-old daughter goes to River of Life Church. She says, not every Sunday, but she's there a lot. I said, tell me her name. She told me her name. I said, I've met your daughter. And, and I mentioned to her that her daughter had a biblical context to it. She said, my daughter came home and told me you said that. And... and and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I decided not to get in a shell, not to keep my mouth closed, not to put the light under a bushel. I decided to go in like Jesus is my Savior and there's a world that needs to be told. And, and I said, I want you to come to River of Life. She said, I'm coming. By the way, she may be here this morning. If you are and I didn't get the story right, please raise your hand and come up here. And, but But... But anyway, and, and, then, and then I ran into a lady, and I just smiled at her. That messes people up sometimes. <laughs> just smile. I just smiled at her. And she said, how are you? She didn't know what to say. I said, I, so help me, verbatim, I said, I am blessed and highly favored. She looked at me and she said, Who are you? No, this is twice now. Who are you? I said, now I'm in Tallahassee Mall and I I mean, Governor Square Mall. I'm in Governor Square Mall and there's tens of thousands of people there. She says, who are you? I tell her who I am. I said, I'm Pastor Henry Jones from River of Life Church. The lady stand by her, standing by her. She hits the lady and she said, can you believe this? I said, what? She said, I was just telling her about meeting somebody from a church in Crawfordville named River of Life who keeps telling me they are highly favored of the Lord. I said, do you know why? She said, no. And I said, because we at River of Life are highly favored of the Lord. God has smiled on us. He's good to us. He's blessing us. One by one, I just kept running into people and it was like divine appointments. But I I kind of got outside of myself and I smiled and said, Mary, I'm going to tell you the weirdest thing. This, this is hard to believe, guys. You're going to find it's hard to believe. It was hard for me to leave the mall. <laughs> I didn't want to leave the mall. I, I wanted to stay right there. 
Because I was having a visitation. The Spirit of the Lord was on me. He was divinely moving my steps. And I got, I needed some Christmas presents. That was the easiest part of all. Everywhere I went, there it was right in front of me. The perfect present. There it was. I went to three places. I just, they just had, and, and, I, well, anyway. Um, but it, it was, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I just want to encourage you to do that. If you go to the mall between now and Christmas, I want you to go in smiling ear to ear, saying Merry Christmas and praise the Lord and God bless you again, around everybody. You say, well, that's just not me. Well, then quit being you. <laughs> Start being who God wants you to be. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Spirit of the living God is upon me. That's what the Scripture says. Embrace the truths, the blessings, the anointing of the Lord. And start walking in. Listen, we celebrate Christmas because it was the greatest visitation of all. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Now hold on, I've got to do this very quickly so we don't run out of time. So, have you ever heard the expression, the pre-incarnate Christ? Do you know what it means? It means the pre-existence of Christ. See, when you hear and read the expression, the pre-incarnate Christ, it's talking about Jesus before He took on human flesh, before He became a babe in the manger and then lived among us for 33 years. When the, when the Bible talks about the pre-incarnate Christ, it's talking about Jesus before He arrived in the manger. Are you with me? And this may shock some of you. Jesus was constantly visiting the world before he was born in a manger. It's, it's all over the Bible. Abraham, Hagar, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, Joshua, and the list goes on and on, all had encounters with an angel. Now that's what the Old Testament calls him, the angel of the Lord. But this was no normal angel. This, this wasn't a rank-and-file angel. And the reason we know that is because this angel identified himself as God or the Lord. He accepted worship. There are passages in the Bible where people will bow down before an angel. And what does the angel say? Get up. You can't worship me. I'm a fellow servant. You worship the Lord, you can't worship me. But this one particular one accepted worship. Some who saw this angel thought they were going to die because they had seen the Lord. On one occasion... He identified himself as the commander and the captain of the armies of heaven. It's one of my favorite stories. It's in Joshua, the fifth chapter. Joshua, the commander of the armies of Israel, has walked outside of the camp. He's praying. He runs into a man, and the man has a sword in his hand. And this is what Joshua says. Joshua says, whose side are you on? And the man says to him, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm the captain of the armies of heaven. They march at my command. This is what Joshua did. Joshua fell to the ground and started worshiping him. Now you'd think that'd be good enough, wouldn't you? But you know what the man said to him? Go ahead and pull your shoes off. 
You're on holy ground. You're before God. You do know that anywhere Jesus shows up, that's holy ground, don't you? And that's where, that's where he was. So, so, so that brings us back to our text. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Uh, the fact is, he'd been doing that the whole time. So, so we, have, we have the pre-incarnate Christ manifesting himself to people all through the Old Testament. Then we have the incarnation of Christ coming as a babe in the manger, right? And then you know this as well as I do. We have the post-incarnate Christ showing up. You, you see, it happens all, it happens all through the New Testament. And that is that after he died on the cross, after he was buried, uh, and then when he was raised from the dead, that physical body gave way to a spiritual, supernatural body. It was still his body, but now it's been transformed into a spiritual, supernatural body. By the way, to rejoice in that, because the Bible tells us the same thing's going to happen to us one day. That these old natural bodies are going to give way to a spiritual and supernatural body. And then he just keeps appearing. First of all, he appears to Mary after the resurrection and then to two of his disciples on the Emmaus Road. He's walking with them, but they don't know who he is. And then they sit down to eat. And the Bible says their eyes were open and immediately they knew who he was and then he disappeared. Natural body can't do that. Supernatural body. And then the twelve were in a closed room, the, dis- the disciples were in a closed room, and the Bible says with the doors locked, Jesus just walked right through the wall. This is a supernatural body. Then the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road actually carries on a conversation with the Lord, sees a glorious light from heaven. And then John on the Isle of Patmos sees a glorified vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want you to understand that all through the Old Testament, we, we have these uh, pre-incarnate visits from Jesus. The theologians call them theophanies or Christophanies. And then we have the birth of Christ. And then after that, we have the post-incarnate visits from Jesus all through the New Testament. But it doesn't end there. He leaves us with the promise. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved to my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, kept showing up. He just kept showing up. And then he leaves us with a promise that throughout the ages, those who have his commandments and keep his commandments, those who seek him, that he'll manifest him Self to them. Jackie Carey, where are you? Come up here very quickly. I need my mic again. What do we what happened to it? Here we go. Jackie has a Christmas visitation to share with you. Hey everybody. Well, about over twenty years ago, probably about more like twenty-five. I'm not too sure, but I had decided that 
Four weeks before Christmas, I was going to read the Christmas story every single day. So most, most of it is in Luke, and some of it's in Matthew. So every day, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I know this story. I've heard it all my life. Show me something different in your word, because sometimes you read something, then all of a sudden you'll know more about what you've already read, and, and God will just open up your heart and show you something different. Well, so I continued for four weeks every single day reading the Christmas story. So now it's Christmas Eve. No revelation. I said, well, Lord, (laughs) at least I know this Christmas story. (laughs) So I go to sleep, and um, in the morning I open my eyes, and I see this huge, huge angel in my bedroom. And this angel has a long horn and is blowing the horn saying that Jesus Christ has been born. And I was so amazed. I could do nothing but look at it. And um, I don't remember it disappearing or anything. I don't know if I fell back asleep, but all of a sudden it was gone. And um, that day, Christmas Day, Somebody gave me an ornament of the exact angel that I saw. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you, sister. Now, here's the question. Why? Why all the visitations in the Old Testament? We know why Jesus came as a babe in the manger, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. But why all the visitations in the Old Testament? Why all the visitations in the New Testament after his resurrection? And the answer to that question, we may never know. Uh, And then why did he give us a promise that he would visit us and manifest himself to us personally? I don't know the answer to that, but one theologian said, all these visitations show and prove the intimacy of God with his creation. He's not a distant God. He's up close and personal. And he wants to be as close as you'll let him be. But there is a qualification. I want to read it to you out of the Old Testament. It's Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14. It says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you. You understand? He says, I'll let you find me, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. Now, I love that. So even in the Old Testament, and by the way, Matthew 7, 7 in the New Testament says, seek and you shall find, ask and it shall be given, knock and it shall be opened unto you. We have this stated in the Old Testament that if you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And and that's the promise of Scripture. But, But notice this. It says, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I love this. And I will bring you back from your captivity. Now, obviously, this passage has historical significance to the nation of Israel. But boy, it applies to us also. If you seek me, and search for me with all of your heart. I'll let you find me. 
And not only that, I'll bring you back from your captivity. Here's something I've learned as a pastor, and that is we all have problems. I know sometimes the enemy will deceive you and cause you to look around at this congregation and think, I wish I could be like that person, or I wish I could be like that person, or they don't have any problems. It's not true, is it? We all have problems, don't we? See, we're up against a real enemy. The enemy of all righteousness. And the moment you decide you want to live good and live for God, the enemy moves in. And I want to tell you, captivity is anything that holds you back from fulfilling God's perfect will in your life. Anything that holds you back from having the joy of the Lord. Captivity is anything that keeps you from living the victorious Christian life. And without a doubt, there are those here this morning and you know that there's some area where you're held captive and by the way if you could get out of that on your own you wouldn't be captive but you just held you know the truth but it's just hard to walk it out well here's what I want to tell you about visitations when Jesus visits when he manifests himself of all the reasons you can come up with Here's one that I'm absolutely sure of. That he doesn't just show up in your life so you can stand up here and tell people he showed up. He showed up in your life because he wants to bring you back from your captivity. He wants to bring you out of whatever holds you. He wants to break the chains that bind you. He wants... But, and, and why? He's a Savior. He's in the redeeming, restoring, restoration, glorification business. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. So I want to encourage you today. Seek Him with all of your heart. Search for Him. And when He shows up, He'll do an amazing work in your life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.